Hello! Welcome to Waiting for Game, a podcast presented by Melee Stats. I am your host, Gimme Dad Wheat, and I am here with one of the uh, one of the flashiest players out there. One of the most, uh, you know, um, I have got. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Uh, one of the the rising stars I have the most confidence in, and that, of course, is my good friend Edwin Budding. Ooh, Edwin! Ooh, I fucked Edwin that Budding. one up. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's great to be here we uh, i know i wasn't on last episode we have major upset coming up i'm pretty excited to jump right into it and i'm really happy to introduce our new guest or returning guest i guess uh, magi to the show magi how you been great to have you i've been doing good thanks for having me um yeah i as you would expect i woke up recently nice. and <laughs> i'm mm -hmm. ready to talk about the tournament and other things that happened in the smash scene recently let's go i am also on a uh on a pretty degen schedule mm. i was a little under the weather past couple days oh, i'm yeah. good now and it's not COVID. oh my god mm. i forgot i have to say that before right. I, i'm not going to uh bring COVID to major upset um but uh but yes yeah, so we will we will have a very good discussion and then uh uh, Edwin's bedtime is fast approaching, so we should uh, we should get into some of the stuff that we're here to talk about. Magi, you've earned your stripes on the show before, mm -hmm. uh, but that was way way back when. And obviously, a lot has changed. Mm -hmm. um, we saw a a lot of stuff going on in the Smash community as of late. Um, I know that we're going to have some news to talk about uh, later this episode about Zane and what's you know happening in mm -hmm. regards to. Uh, it, golden guardians i guess but uh even you know ultimate um we've seen mm -hmm. uh, mk leo we've seen tweak we've seen recent um additions to teams recent you know uh teams dropping people but you yourself are included in this so what can you tell us about um you know how clg came about what, what are you able to say about that um yeah uh it was kind of uh I, I think it was funny for for me because like you know they they had contacted me um like a little while back um and it was like right before bts like announced um all of their uh like you know this like the status of a bts so it was like this really weird thing where as i was like having this like really awesome like opportunity like the entire community was like dooming super hard about like bts i was like ah big but um but yeah i don't know um i i think uh i i guess like right now i would say that like melee's in a weird spot where i think a lot of teams like clg and like you know uh i, I think or like luminosity with like the recent yeah. ultimate players like they they know that there's like a lot of potential i i, I guess um it, it's a weird spot where uh, i don't even know how to like describe it but i i guess it's like we're in, we're in an awkward like transition from like oh like i mean i i guess honestly melee is constantly in this weird limbo of like things are going really well and things are like really shaky like you know things are i felt like for a while like things were going great and then you know nintendo like re like struck down smash world tour and like that was really obnoxious uh and i i think like things like that like as always like are happening to melee and i and i think like you know that's where random shitty stuff happens to us but at the same time like things are still going well enough and i think teams recognize that and they like want to invest and i i mean i guess it's also just that time of the year where a lot of like contracts are like you mm -hmm. know up for you know renegotiation or whatever uh so i think that's why we're like in this weird phase of like 
things are like looking up, but things are also like really like sketchy and scary. So I don't know. Um, but yeah. I, I, at least for me, first. I'm oh, sorry for uh, interrupting, but uh, no, no, you didn't interrupt you, or I interrupted you. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think I mean for me personally, um, I, I think CLG uh, has like you know, a really big interest in melee and has a big interest in you know just the whole FGC division in general. Um, and yeah, I, I think they just they saw an opportunity with me, and like I, I also like specifically representing CLG Red. Um, and you know, I, I think that is like the nice thing about melee. It's like a good space, I think, for to like invest in the women in the scene and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think all of that just like lined up really well. And um, I think also like you know, with teams like you know, I just left East Coast, but like Golden Guardians too. Like they're very like content oriented teams, and I think you know, I think CLG does plan to like produce a lot of content with uh, with melee. Um, and it's like it, it's interesting. Like I even just like recently saw like a thread where um someone was talking about the like how the league uh league of legends players are like they used to be very like big personalities like if you were a big league player you also had like a very big like content like are like built around you whereas nowadays after league got franchised um teams have been leaning a lot more towards just like raw like results 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 and like they care a little bit like uh, i think a lot of teams right now like a lot of the players like they're not as well known like you know i think you know uh double lift and like bjergsen and like all those players like have like these giant names around them but like you don't really hear about like that anymore from like you know league players that are on teams or whatever um and i saw that someone had said that a big reason why it was like that before is because you kind of just had to it was like very like understood that like in order to be like successful in like the esports space you would both need to be like a player and a content like creator or whatever um and after league got franchised you saw a lot less of that um because like you know there was like a lot more guaranteed money as long as like your team was successful like in the tournaments or whatever and i guess that's why like uh I think with Smash, like we, we because we're not franchised, we yeah. like also understand that it's almost like we're like the original, like how the league players were. And I think that's why like teams are starting to invest in melee players, and they're starting to because they realize like yeah, we like we could be like you know. I think that was like a big reason why during like the documentary era, like like melee was like very successful is because everyone had really big personalities, and like mm-hmm. there was a lot of potential to add like like I guess not like, kind of market their story. I think like teams are starting to do that and like starting to realize that like smash has like a big space and potential to you know tell all of our stories and to i don't know just you know it's make content and all that stuff we have eyes on us so you know i think the more our personality is recognized i guess like the more valuable we are in the space i think that's why teams are starting to become more interested as a result <laughs> yeah no it's it's an interesting thing you know you look back at like the five gods and stuff like that and obviously the scene built that up a lot, but it was also mm-hmm. because it was pretty easy to build up because right. five players are super good. And they all had pretty distinct personalities. Even mm-hmm. if one of <laughs> I didn't mean to call out Armando just by himself, but even, I was going to say, even if one of their personalities was just being the guy who won everything, <laughs> um, <laughs> like it was a delicate balance of, you know, these people who were both really good in game and, and also had personalities that you could latch onto pretty easily. Right. And uh, yeah, we're, we're starting to see this interesting kind of shift where, um, you know, a lot of those, a lot of the best players we have right now are, are not people who uh, are in the five gods. And, you know, there's right. only 
that's only really recently that you can say that. I mean, right. we had our last episode. I talked about uh, the new like brat pack of melee is um, Cody, J Mook, and Zane, and how that's a tier that we're gonna like. You have to prove to everyone else that you're in that tier because right, right now how they've performed in 2023 has has been kind of uh, head and shoulders above everyone else. But yeah, I think it's an interesting thing to talk about how. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's the results, but it's the personality as well. I think that's a you know, thing that kind of is taken for granted in the FGC and, and, mm. and smash just because like it, it feel, it goes so hand in hand. Right. Right. Um, right. I we've agree. got so many big personalities. We don't even think about like <laughs> that, mm. that there might be a top player who doesn't have one. Right. 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 And, and I think like, even like you just like mentioned, like the Cody Zane, J-Mook, like I, I think a lot of us like know about the personalities and stuff, but I, I think that you know, teams are interested in like really broadcasting that story. Cause I, it's one mm-hmm. of those, like, you know, like the documentary was like the link between like someone who doesn't know about like smash players and their personalities until like, yeah, like being able to like articulate the story, like, like of like all that shit, you know, all of the anime, like storytelling <laughs> shit. Uh, and I think that's why like teams see that potential and, you know, now like it's time for like jamu cody and zane to have like their story sold and everyone else like i think for like a little bit it, it felt like because the five gods and like a lot of people in the documentary really like there's only a couple that are like really present in the scene right now um and so i think that's why like it's almost felt like for a while like the story has kind of shifted like away from like like i would say like, the first few years after the documentary like every tournament felt like this crazy fucking like blockbuster movie and now, like, I mean, we were talking even before the call, like, there's been so many tournaments and, like, there is, like, a story of, like, the rise of J-Mook and, like, Zane's dominance and, like, can, like, you know, Mango's, like, fighting back at, like, SmashCon, like, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, it still feels a little bit less, like, you know, like, the 2015 era or actually the, the summer of 2014 when, like, Mango Armada were going back and forth. Like, that shit was crazy. And I, I, I think, uh, I think Melee's starting to, like, realize that, we need to tell that story like more act or not even more accurately, but like, I don't know. We need to start like telling that story for like, and being able to explain it to someone who doesn't really know it. So I, I don't know. I think that's why like it's, we're in mm-hmm. like in this weird like period of like Nintendo is still fucking us over. <laughs> and that is preventing some of our like, uh you know, things from like not working, but we still have the, the thing that made us popular in the first place, which is like the players and like our community and all that shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and, and you're right. You know, we don't have another doc and the other doc that we got was not based on any new players. Right. I think mm-hmm, the right. probably most recent person they included was Leffen and right, for right. all intents and purposes, like Leffen, you know, if you're talking about someone outside the top five was a big personality, it's hard to find someone <laughs> bigger personality than laughing right. um but edwin what do you what do you think about this idea of because i've I, it's not just magic i've heard a lot of other people say that like the storylines don't feel as special now and i and i want your opinion you know as someone who's been in the scene for a long time we've probably all been in the scene for probably you know I, god i hate to say it but i'm coming up on 10 years would be next year yeah that's also i assume we're all <laughs> in the yeah, same boat same i start in 2014 as well <laughs> Oh God! And you're top twenty-five, and here, I... oh, whatever. <laughs> we all take different paths. We're all in the same show. Uh, but Ed, what do, you, what do you think about this? Is, do you think it's, um, you know, have the the storylines changed, or is it just that like now we know these people were close to the people? You know, it's like uh, we when you go to tournaments, 
easy to talk to Zane. <laughs> it's right. like di- very different than uh, you know if you go to your first tournament, you see like Mango there. What do, what do you think, Edwin? I think just in in general, the community. Look, I, I think it's very funny that Magi brought up 2014 and 2015 as these kind of peak years that we look back with nostalgia for, right? And I think the reality is that those years have to be con- contextualized within a very specific climate that existed within not just Smash, but competitive gaming in the streamer sphere, mm-hmm. right? I, I think it's, I think you're going to be a little disappointed, not you as in the collective you, I think you're going to be a little disappointed if you expect the same exact magic of those years mm-hmm. to come back because right. it was all part of Smash's place within esports, the general trajectory of esports, and how that intersected with the, the new streaming space. And I think we're in this period of transition where we, we, we sort of have to – it's not so much that we have to re- replicate the same storylines that we had in the past and that we have the same people telling those storylines. It's that the nature of those stories and what they mean to the audience – have to change to 2023 times, right? Mm. And I think 2023 times, it's it's a little uncertain for Melee. We just, I mean, we we cannot, um, we can't overstate how massive the changes to the community have been since not just BTS's shutdown, but frankly, the shutdown in Smash World Tour and Panda. So I think a lot of community leaders of today are not necessarily going to be the same ones that existed in 2016 and 2017. So in my opinion, we I I think it goes beyond players, right? It's it goes beyond just, you know, where is what team is Zane playing for? What what is the storyline that the scene and its content creators are going to build for Zane, Jmook and Cody, right? Is that the nature of those stories of of who they capture and what their appeal is to the general audience? they're going to be very different today. And I think for a lot of people, even myself included, as someone who was around back then, and is certainly more involved now than I was when I got in the scene, I, th- I think it's scary. I-, I think there's almost a sense of like fear that we won't be able to live up to this golden era or we won't be able to reclaim it. But I don't think it has to be that way. I think, th- I think there's a lot of really special things about Melee right now, the personality it, in- it entails of, the stories that are being told, the kind of people who are telling those stories, their perspectives on it. I, I don't want another Smash Brothers documentary from 2013 mm. plastered over in 2023 for, for many reasons, but, but even just as a... <laughs> not just for the, a, you know, cancelable reasons. Yeah, mm-hmm. not the can, not just that, but just the the natural appeal of them, right? The, the things about Smash that stick out to us and make it special to... People like us three today are so much different than what it was when I was in college or when when we were all younger, right? So I think it's okay that the scene is in a different place. And it's okay that the things that are fun and interesting about the scene are are different now. And maybe there's a different way to express them and there's different points to highlight. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, I think we'll be okay. I, I really believe that the people who are involved in Melee today just really 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 love the game and they they love the game in a in a different way than when uh, the when the community loved it in the past mm-hmm. and i think i think the scene will slowly come to terms with it and i think that we'll you know between players getting signed to different sponsors for for different reasons between you know a shifting of the guard or or however way you want to put it i think we'll be okay yeah. I always thought we'd be okay. <laughs> this is the see. This is what happens with Smash as of late. You know, ever since Panda and Smash World Tour, and then BTS, is that like 
we're all like, no, we'll, we'll survive. It's a pretty standard question, but yeah, it's very funny that we, we tend to go into like the, no, we'll make it mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Magic, I actually want to ask you about that because I, you know, you talked about people being doomer. I remember when it got announced that, um, you were leaving Beast Coast. Uh-huh. I saw a lot of people that were doomer. <laughs> right. And, uh, I... I will say I, I did have a little birdie. I had a little intel and I was like, no, I think it's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. If uh, I can just interject really quickly, one thing that I found <laughs> very amusing was people jumping on the news of Zane leaving GG and going, oh my God, Golden Guardians is not going to be involved in Smash anymore. We're screwed. They're not going to run events. They're not going to sponsor anyone anymore. It's like, guys. I know, I know we're on edge, and this is a tense time, but mm-hmm. that doesn't have to be the case. Right. Yeah, uh, it's it's funny. I mean, uh, Magic, how did it feel seeing all, everything go down, where where people were going really doomer? While you know, you knew uh, that, I, uh, it was all going to work out. Yeah, I I think it's funny because my plan was to like, or like I considered like announcing my beast coast like uh, i was the partner for beast coast and then not saying anything else like ah like i loved being on beast coast and then like leaving it off for like a day just to but i did consider the fact that bts like all like all of the recent news in general was just like mm, i should probably be slightly reassuring that things will be okay it's like i think like and i think zane also did the same thing where like he at the end is like hey guys like I am hopeful for my future in Melee. And also, Toph quote retweeted the announcement and was like, um, hey, like, you know, uh, like, Golden Guardians, Melee, it's fine, guys. Like, just like, it's it's fine. <laughs> Everything is going to be okay. <laughs> and so I, I think that's why it's like, you know, and I, I understand, like, the anxiety and, like, you know, and I was even going to add kind of to your previous point, uh, Edwin, about, like, yeah, I, I think melee is just kind of like in a different place in general, and I think, um, you know, I, I, especially like you know now we're like in that st- we're in the streamer era, and I I think like uh, a big thing that's changed, I think kind of across the internet in general, but like I mean especially like in Smash is that we're trying really hard to humanize players. Like that wasn't like you know back then we were really trying to make the players look larger than life, and nowadays yeah. we're like hey guys like you know like they're just kind of we are just kind of normal people and like you know you see kind of on both ways like on both like don't you know don't make these giant like like assume that these people are like greater than like any other normal human being but also don't like harass them for like no reason after they lost because you don't like them or whatever you know like the and i think that's it's kind of a weird we're, we're transitioning into this era of the internet where like everyone's like not necessarily everyone like obviously the majority of people still don't do this but like i would say like i see like a pretty significant amount of people try to encourage people to like be nice on the internet <laughs> and i and I, I think or even you know just trying to humanize people like i always like even explain it to my parents for a while um that like or i mean th- i explain this to everyone like this that like you know it's weird like back before the internet like the current era of the internet or even like if you think back to old youtube like they weren't like it was really, really, really difficult to be like a YouTube gaming person. Like getting a capture card was really expensive and getting a computer that actually edited was really like, you know, expensive. And like, it's, it was very like, you know, you kind of just had to know people and like that was, and that, you know, even before that you could think about like being on TV and stuff like it's the, the amount of like people that just so happened to like be exposed to big audience is like, it was way different 
up until recently where it feels like now like you can kind of just accidentally have a million people know that you exist like way way easier and i feel like because everyone has more access to that ability to like be exposed to the general population that like we're like all starting to become more knowledgeable and aware of like hey guys like you know it's not like the like back then it felt like if someone's famous on the internet they must be like making millions of dollars and they don't give a fuck about like how much hate they get but nowadays we're like hey guys like you know someone like accidentally got famous or whatever and you know it's probably a good idea to not like think that they're like any different or whatever i, I think that's why like you know i i would say the way that we were talking about like the the melee players nowadays like it feels different and even with streaming i think with streaming like we're starting to become like more directly like we just know about the personalities more directly like you can't mm -hmm. like it's obviously very different from talking to someone in person and i think like streamers are absolutely like not automatically humanized just because they're on the stream or whatever but you just have like a higher chance of like understanding that the person like is you know is like pretty fucking normal i guess i, I don't really know how else to put it um so yeah i don't know i i do agree though that like as a result, I think the way that we're going to tell these stories and the way that players are, it is going to be very different. But, like, you know, I think we'll, we'll, we'll be, uh, you know, I, I think we'll we'll do a good job with that, I guess. It's not like a, you know, I don't think we're a one-trick pony with, like, the doc or anything, you know. No, no. I mean, it's a, it's a sign of the times, right? When when Melee was probably at its biggest was when you you know you had that type of stuff when that was when the five gods were around. Mm -hmm. That was when we were hitting um you know over two thousand entrants at Evo stuff like that. Right. Numbers like stuff that feels so so different than, than what we have right now. Um mm -hmm. but you're right, yeah. I mean that was the time where the esports bubble was it was getting bigger and bigger and we were kind of popping off uh, yeah. extremely lit. <laughs> we, and I remember as a fan, I was like seen all these reddit posts about like when c who's clg gonna sign next who's c9 gonna sign like it just felt like bigger and bigger um and you're right you know it feels different now and there's uh there's obviously some growth reasons for that we're not hitting 2000 entrants in any tournament anytime soon right right um at least melee i don't know what ultimate does <laughs> they probably <laughs> have one every other right. day but um, not even back then like i forgot like did this Smash 4 come out like in 2014 too, or like 2015 ish? Yeah, I think it was like late 2014. Yeah, and then started like started with Apex, I think mm. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean that, and just like the general esports wave and and Street Fighter Five, like it all just kind of led to this it being this thing where you're right, we kind of tried to make these people feel larger than life and. Uh, I remember it feeling pretty awkward when Plup got really good and everyone was like trying to fit him in the same mold as like the five gods and Leffen. Right. Plup's personality, like very <laughs> cool, very chill, very nice, but right, like, right. not as easy to like slot into the big personalities of the other ones. Yeah, he's like a force and light nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a cool thing to, to go to a tournament and not have to... Um, deal with all of that type of stuff i guess you know mm -hmm. uh jmook still says hi to me in every event i don't think he needs to right 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 <laughs> i think i told him that and i was like yeah i think after he went collision i was like yeah i don't think you're good <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think you should think you're above me but, right but right obviously you know a lot of this uh, a lot of the new guard feels feels very um uh you know kind of maybe saw the the undersides of of all the you know growth that we had and, and kind of living with uh what we have right now that mm -hmm. being said like 
Mango and HBox are bigger streamers than they ever have been. And that yeah, era. yeah, it's like I, it's I, it's an interesting thing to talk about, like brands in terms of streaming and right. how that's grown since the pandemic. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it's an interesting thing to talk about. Yeah, it's it actually like Hungrybox is like a awesome example of like yeah, he's just like a. I don't even really know how to put it, but I, I guess I think he just found his rhythm in the content creator space and he's fucking running with it. It's like, it's, it's really, it's, it's super cool. Yeah. To see, Magi, it's, it's, it's very funny that you mentioned that because I think it's all part of his grand plan to lead us to the H box singularity. I think <laughs> given the, uh, given the power crisis right now uh, going on in smash with production studios falling, people not running events. I think it's just, all part of hbox's grand conspiracy to <laughs> brand every major after himself basically like irl coin boxes mm-hmm. and uh all streamed on his channel and genesis box the mm-hmm. big box big box shine box. box shine box <laughs> super smash box yeah i believe it it's pretty funny i can see him doing it <laughs> Yeah, he'll commentate also. He'll win grand finals. He'll commentate. Mm-hmm. He'll pop off. He'll commentate on his own pop off. It'll we be, kind it'll of be have beautiful. given him a blank check where, like, he'll do these really ridiculous things I think people would have gotten in his case for a lot more if it happened, like, four years ago. But now it's just like, ah, oh, that's HBox for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. uh, even when he was, like, going into Double Down without a mask after... Oh well, whatever. But yeah, there's, yeah, he's gonna like, uh, yeah, he's gonna like uh, take uh, a bunch of. He's gonna hold a major hostage and be like, "I'm not gonna stream this major unless you give me 50k straight up." That's Hbox for you. Yeah, we're yeah, and we're all that. just gonna go right along with it and be like, "Yep, good old, good old Hbox." <laughs> he does it for the content. I mean, <laughs> you have to respect it, really. Speaking of content, I guess if we can kind of push this along just a little further. <laughs> Um, we're seeing kind of a shift in, in, in esports, right? Um, Moist is one of the, I guess, bigger teams in Smash and Melee at least. Mm-hmm. Um, that's obviously run by Critical. That's like a pet project of his. Um, and recently we heard about Ludwig. Ludwig's getting into the game of, you know, back into uh, sponsoring players, which I guess he did way back with Zane at uh, Genesis 7. But actually, you know, like going a little more full-fledged into to building teams, um, mm-hmm. working with Moist. They've got that uh, Valorant team, which is apparently, like, good and still in the... Uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't actually, know how I, Valorant works. I need to... Fuck, I, I saw Nick Yingling post. Uh, oh, they're... Okay, That's they don't play for another half an hour. Yeah, I also get it from Nicky. <laughs> uh, they're playing in half an hour. Uh, but, yeah, they are doing really, really well. I think they're in losers of that tournament. I like don't actually like. Oh, I also don't really know what's happening in Valorant, yeah. but I do watch it. I did see the bracket. And I did see them go far in the bracket, and they lost, but they're still in it. So presumably, TSM. Yeah, they, I think so. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's this like really interesting microcosm of what what might be happening in the scene. Is that like, in, in uh, I guess the scene at large esports is uh we're seeing a lot of people get into it who have like money from streaming mm-hmm. and just decided that the, Hey, you know, this is a thing to do. It's a little pet project. You're going to lose money, but like, what else are you going to do? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been seeing kind of a shift towards that. And I guess, I, I don't know. What do you, what are your thoughts on this? Because I, I think when Moist first got into the scene, it was seen as a little less legitimate than everything else. Right. right? You know, it's not, um, on the level of like team liquid or, or, uh, I was going to say evil geniuses. Who's a team that I don't even know if they exist anymore. <laughs> they do. They do. They do. <laughs> okay. Just not in smash. Right, right. But, but yeah, definitely like, um, 
was not seen as the same level of these uh, of these organizations. But over the past couple years, uh, and and you know, signing multiple ultimate players, uh, Moki uh, for for melee. Like, I think that they have gained a little legitimacy. What is your thought on this as someone who's kind of in the in the know and in the top uh, echelon of players? Yeah, um, I, I think it's 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 really interesting. And uh, one thing that, like, just comes to mind, like, about it is, like, well, there's two things that immediately come to mind. Is that one, I think, I think they just really enjoy, like, mm-hmm. if they have, like, a 20K stream and they're just watch partying, like, a tournament with, like, Moki in it, like, or, like, even, like, watching Moist or, uh, or Critical, rather, um, like, watch cola and like going fucking sicko mode with like the chat and stuff i i think like uh it's just like a I, at least from the perspective of the people who know, i think they're just like interested like i think like even rich people just do that already with like real sports right yeah. like, they just like they just buy teams and they're like yo we want it's so sick so i think like it's kind of like the mini version of that and um it, it is really cool to see that it's like there's i i think um the reason why it like works and especially with smash is that i remember like during the chess boxing event like you could just hear the crowd like they'd obviously have no fucking idea what's happening but yeah. they're popping off with kalindi and shep are just fucking like ripping each other up in game like they almost like don't care but whereas like later on in the event when the chess was happening people were like yup that's chess for sure and i can't wait for them to go back to the boxing section um and so I think like that's why like with with esports it's just like I don't know I I think people are just starting to recognize that it's just like competition like esports like despite it not like maybe being as big like it's well it's funny because it is still really fucking huge and like the viewer counts the like, audience is there right the audience is definitely there um uh and so I think it's just like still universally understood it's like you know it's just something to look forward to and I I mm-hmm. think that's why like you know, despite it not being, like, super-duper extra financially beneficial, I think, like, for people, it's... I always think of, like, people have always joked about, like, yeah, we just need, like, one person for Melee to get really rich so they can, like, invest a lot back into Melee. And that's Ludwig. <laughs> yeah, like, now he's, like, hosting LSI and shit, you know? And, like, it's... it's So I, I think it's just that, you know, like, for me personally, like, I remember, and I still, like, kind of hold that told this true it's like you know if i did have an opportunity where i got millions of fucking dollars i would absolutely invest a lot of it into melee because i really just enjoy it i really like you know i care a lot about like the players i would love to give them more opportunities if i could single-handedly do it and so i think that's why like i think for a lot of like those players or like you know moist this guy's toast is also you know investing into valorant and like you know it's 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 good content and it's it's just fun and like you know you just want to like see people who like you know i'm sure to a lot of them like i mean i this it's funny because they literally do like basically play video games for a living or whatever um but i think it's like i i think there's a certain romanticization of like yeah it'd be super sick if someone could grind video games for their entire life and be able to make a living off of it like that would be super fucking dope if we could reward someone for doing that so i think people who have that opportunity are just kind of fucking down to like you know what like let's just like i don't care i have enough money i'll just fucking like i'm down to punt it like a little bit like you know Mm -hmm. there are people who fucking would rather just or like who punt that amount of money like at a casino anyway so like why not do something that's like a little bit more like (laughs) like like good for the world i guess so i, mean, I don't people know recognize cool things when they see it right, right exactly necessarily yeah. i i love the smash boxing example for mm. instance because that was something that that went to that was so outside the box right mm, i yeah. watched the entire the event box. including the chess boxing stuff yeah it was so good and i i don't play chess at 
I, I guess I watched boxing a little bit when I was younger, but I, I mm -hmm. didn't know any of the personalities or like the streamers, right. I think. But I watched it because their the production values were so great. The uh, the narratives, as they were told, were so instantly compelling and universal. Mm -hmm. yep. So yeah, I, I think it's really cool the stuff you're you're bringing up because. Uh, Cool stuff is cool, no, no matter where it comes from. <laughs> right, right. And people just want to invest in cool shit. Like, it's just true. Yeah. Um, well, that's one of the, the things that's really good about the, um, the, like, the streamer economy that we're kind of, like, right. dipping, getting into, I guess. I guess they're dipping our, their toes into us. Is right. that, um, you know, it, they might not necessarily look for a profit. Is you know, That might not be why they're here. They might just want to go, hey, you know, I want to do something cool. Um, and, like, yeah, that being said, every time something burns down in the scene everyone goes to ludwig and it's like well you can't go to some guy who's not gonna make money from this like right, doesn't work right. like that but mm -hmm. but still you know like yeah i think that uh the uh, the streamers out there the people who are like just love the game and happen to yeah have millions of dollars to mm -hmm. invest right. um those are the people who i think are, are willing to see red numbers for longer than you know like a major esports company right right um but yeah, Edwin, I guess a uh, question I have for you is that, that we, you know, we've seen Ludwig's video about this uh, where he kind of has a pretty good explanation. He explains that this is, you know, burning money, but it's actually not burning as much money as you think because, you know, he is someone and, and you know, critical or else once again into it in the future um, are people who have huge brands and probably the brands that they have are on par with, if not bigger than major esports companies. Um, they would be getting brand uh, deals, you know, integrations and stuff like that. Um, so like stuff like this just kind of funnels more money back into this. Uh, but it still seems like a kind of wacky idea, I think to a lot of people who are, are set in stone with the traditional esports. Um, so I guess my question for you is what do you think, what do you have more confidence in right now? That the streamer-run organizations like uh, Moist and Moguls and and whatever else there is, uh, do you think that they will succeed in the near future more than the major esports companies? Because we've seen the Guard, you know, we've seen them obviously had that whole thing. We saw uh, T1 drop out of Smash completely, even though they signed like the best player in Smash. Um, we've seen a lot of, of stuff like that. So I guess, yeah, what do you have more confidence in going forward? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I think uh, questions. I, I think a, a really um, sort of a, a party that could factor into this, de depending on the eSport, of course. Um, with Melee and Smash, we have a unique perspective on it because we're not developer-supported and are totally True. grassroots. But I think I think the developer plays a really big role in this. I think uh, one of the one of the really cool things that BTS did that I thought was really great for the Smash scene, and and I truly hope this stays the standard. By the way, although I'm doubtful, um, what, one of the really cool things that BTS did is that they knew how competitive um, they knew how competitive ecosystems worked in other fields. Right? They knew that typically streaming channels and broadcasters paid events for the right to to broadcast and stream stream their stuff, right? And BTS was able to take this risk because they had a special deal with Twitch due to their Dota presence and, and success in other games and everything. But that was something that they provided to Smash that really helped TOs. So rather than a TO begging, uh, you know, Lord HBox or, uh, or Lord Mango or anyone else for permission to use their stream and use their assets and reach out to their follower group, BTS was actively giving money to events, and they were actively supporting 
the competitive Smash ecosystem because the way they saw it, it, it was just better for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that was the way it worked in other fields. And if they could repeat that dynamic in Smash, it was, it was a rising tide that would lift all boats essentially, right? So I think unfortunately when it comes to esports, uh, that's you know a really big part of it. And I think a lot of it uh, depends on how willing the developers are to work with people whose entire job is producing and how they can align their bottom line of selling more copies with their game or you know supporting their brand, vaguely speaking, with aligning that with the producer's goal of getting it to of supporting a competitive ecosystem and selling it to as many people as possible. And I don't really know how much more likely that is with a streamer versus a company within esports. So I think if I I think if I were to guess, I think it may be easier for a streamer company to apply pressure on developers that way. Like I could see a streamer getting large enough to where that this could be the case for smaller esports. But would it necessarily like like a Rivals of Aether, for instance, or something like that? But would that be the case for uh, League of Legends or Dota? I I don't know enough to say, but I'm, I would cautiously go with the um, I would cautiously go with the established teams there, just because they have more years. But you never know. The yeah, fact so that I it's close it, at all, right? Yeah, is, it says is something, maybe something that mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I could see um, like um, that like for for big like things like league and stuff like there's i think there's like more bureaucracy i guess like like literally there are just like more things to like go through and like when things are more established and like i feel like the streamer like probably like doesn't really want to match the resources necessary for that but like for like a a grassroots type of game like i could definitely see like you know because i i think another thing too is that like i think a streamer has a lot more to gain than like a random like pop like or not not that one uh like a little caesars or something like does little caesars really get that much out of sponsoring a tournament like probably not like if little caesars had a twitch channel that they were really interested in growing then they maybe could but i could see like you know like you were saying with like the like the that ludwig video or whatever that talked about like it's surprisingly not as bad as you would think like i, I think a lot like a ludwig or like a moist kid gap a lot of pretty reasonable opportunities or like even like a fucking like an you know if xqc just randomly decided to stream out an event and like put on a big thing or like ninja was gonna do that or fucking like all that shit you know like i mm-hmm. i i could see how they have a lot more like tangible things that to get versus like a company that like i don't know it's like it's just kind of hard to convince gamers to like buy things but it's like pretty easy to get them to like use a twitch prime or something or like even just like have like even just to watch the stream and like so like the streamer can like show the number like hey i had this amount of views at this event like i am valuable or whatever so i don't know it's it's funny because i guess that's like a just adding a middleman to like the other bigger sponsors or whatever but uh i don't know it's it's just something that i i thought about yeah if 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 i could quickly get one thing we've been talking about this for a bit and i do want i do want to talk about tournaments before you have to go (laughs) but the, I, I think the, the last thing I would want to make clear on this, just to bring this back to Smash, and this is something I've been really thinking about, uh, you know, in spite of Summit shutting down, which is, you know, still on my mind, I really believe the money is there for within the community for Smash. Mm-hmm. If something is cool in the scene, whether it's something like Summit or a really big event, I really, I think the money is truly there in the scene. And it just, it's going to take some time, 
but but I I think that um, I think that there's interest and there, there's people willing to spend money on things in Smash mm-hmm. that are oh cool. yeah, mm-hmm. and if there's nothing right now that like nothing will ever replace Summit. Don't get don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but if there but all it takes is a few people to get together who are really dedicated to bringing an idea to the next level and giving it the full treatment that it deserves. And I think when I think it you'll find that if you really spend enough time and at the scale that these streamers operate, by the way, you know the they're huge streamers. So when they, when they're talking about success, they're not talking about if one event on its own necessarily gets the highest peak hours or whatever. That mm-hmm. when they're investing something like this is for years, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe year one and year two are not profitable, but you know a few coin flip situations go go their way, and suddenly you you have a gamble that's effectively worth the amount of time they're spending mm-hmm. now esports is not necessarily in a great state right now but i'm just saying for for the movers and shakers of the industry it's going to take a long time to see these things to deliver returns and how, how, whatever amount of time that is depends on who's doing it right so just mm-hmm. just something to keep in mind and, and you know to tack on to that real quick before we move on to major upset uh yeah, I mean, there's a there's a market for esports, and and I was talking to a friend recently. This is when the guard shut down before BTS shut down in that like one week, and uh, he asked me how I think esports is doing, and I said, you know, there's a there's a market, there's a huge market, but it's really hard to turn that market into <laughs> anything. Into yeah. yeah, right. Like this is not, and and it's a huge. It would be a huge. I don't even really want to say it because it's such a huge topic that it would take like another episode. But the fact that Twitch is free is kind of a tough thing. Right. Um, you know, when you watch the NFL or the NBA or anything mm-hmm. like that, they have deals with NBC and ABC and ESPN and all the uh, people who run it. And they've got like millions of dollar deals. They've got so much money flowing through there and flowing through other stuff, of course. Um, and it's, yeah, esports has a very big audience, right? We've all heard about like, you know, oh, this one got like a million people watching and, and you know hundreds of thousands of people went in person to see this thing like there we've heard all the stories um but it's in terms of like yeah how to actually monetize that right. and the one thing i'll say for streamers is like the dumbass simple way of looking at it is that the streamer is able to monetize stuff a lot easier than a team right because um, what a streamer can do is ludwig can go on he says you know it's got a video and it's boys I just ran the, you know, whatever. Uh, and that might get a couple, you know, 100,000 views. And uh, suddenly you are recouping some money. These uh, usually are streamed on their own site or, or their own, uh, their own, you know, Twitch, their own YouTube channel. Uh, so people who are watching, you're getting the watch time hours directly to yourself. You're getting whatever, you know, donations and, and subscribers, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, as opposed to if you are, you know, like a, like a traditional esports team, um, you're probably going through, you know, trying to do all that to get sponsors to give you the money. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a weird thing. But right. I, for one, I'm looking forward to this weird type of uh, just like enthusiast esports team mm-hmm. wave that we're having. And uh, and when I see Zayn leave Golden Guardians to kind of wrap it all back up, I know, you know, we we said the people are doomer but honestly i didn't see as many doomer takes as i thought i would and and i don't believe them because we just saw luminosity pick people up um i think if zane left golden guardians while mk leo and tweak didn't have a team be a different state of the affairs mm. but you know basically what we have is uh we have the best player in the world uh number one player i guess 
uh, leave me a team, and, and I don't feel like the world's falling, which is good because, you know, <laughs> that feeling that we're not in danger is uh, is in high demand in, yeah. in recent months. It's not something that we get all the time. Right. Um, so I, I think for the reasons that we've lined out, you know, there's, I, I expect people to kind of see any announcement like this and, and be worried. And there's definitely players who have left teams and uh, I don't feel as confident that the, that, you know, the system will, will pick them back up another team. Um, but for what it's going for right now, yeah, we're in a weird spot with melee, but I, I can't help, but feel some sort of optimism regarding everything. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see if that optimism is uh, unfounded or if that's something that, uh, I, rightfully put into it but i guess let's let's move on from that let's talk about um let's speak talk about, about the tournament <laughs> yeah speak about optimistic i'm optimistic about this tournament because i am going and and i've been to portland once before i expect this one to be awesome as well but we've got major upset um last time we talked about a tournament was collision and collision and major upset i think i have a kind of like a kinship this this interesting uh thing of you know both were tournaments that were ultimate um ultimate for years collision ran for years as an ultimate tournament i think this is the sixth iteration of uh of i think it's the back and blood series and it's called and this one is major upset both oh. are the first to feature melee um and it's this interesting thing because both were capped both had about you know three four hundred people um and probably did not expect to have the weight of being one of the biggest majors of the year and both are kind of dealing with the consequences of everything that falls around around mm -hmm. or falls out around them. Um, but regardless, I, I look at collision and we talked about it on the podcast and I think that there were some, you know, rightful complaints about it, but I, I can't help but look at an event like that and say, you know what? I think that was a success. Uh, what it was given and what it was supposed to be was probably drastically different than what it was thought to be when it first started. Uh, and I, I, I look at major upset in a similar way. So I, I hope to see that it succeeds on the same level. Uh, but speaking of success, we've got a, uh, you know, like like Collision, we've got a top he uh, heavy player base that's going to this. But that's not to say that there aren't players who are all over the bracket who are able to succeed. Um, Edwin, I know that you've probably had your eyes on the major upset bracket. Is there anyone who you would call out as being a... Uh, it's like a sleeper pick for a run. I know that Pacific Northwest <coughs> doesn't have a ton of tournaments, so we don't get to see a lot of them, but maybe even just a top player who's got a good bracket to go really far and outplace their seed. Is there anyone who, uh, whose path you really like? Yeah, so um, I think that... So I haven't looked at specific matchups, ju just to be honest, but there's a couple of players, I think, that, mm -hmm. that are in the Pacific Northwest who I think are interesting to highlight that will be here. One of them is Iceman, who I think uh, not many people oh, watching yeah. Melee today might might remember Iceman, but he kind of burst onto the scene in, in around the late 2010s, taking sets off Blade-wise. I, I believe he beat Troomed at a uh, at Red Bull Gods and Gatekeepers, if, if anyone remembers that that tournament. Iceman was kind of like a perennial contending for top 100 type player from, from Washington, and he... Um, he wasn't really that present during the pandemic, but when he'd show up at a big event, he'd usually give some pretty strong players a scare. Like, I remember he beat Sunsei at one of the Gallant mm. Melee Opens. And for, from my understanding of just of behind-the-scenes stuff, I, I think he's still pretty good. I don't know. 
I don't know how I couldn't give him a rank on a if there was a hypothetical top hundred or whatever. But I think he's a pretty scary opponent. Uh, one thing I remember with Iceman is that in addition to be being pretty good against Fox, he's also weirdly good against Sheik, and he's pretty practiced against the floaties. So I'm interested to see how he does here. It's just kind of I've I've sort of been interested in this group of players that were known commodities in the scene for a while. Then they dipped in activity. And then as they came back, in spite of their national standing not changing on the surface, they f somehow feel scarier than they used to be. Like, I think yeah. Junebug is a really funny example of this kind Rishi. of player. Yeah, Rishi, for sure, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm kind of just interested to see how this, you know, former known commodities that are now suddenly, like, m feel more dangerous than they used to be do. And I, th I think Iceman, for, like, fits that MO or would fit that MO pretty well with a, with a good performance here. So that's a, yeah. you know, that level of play for the Pacific Northwest. Um, for, for someone, the last person I'll mention, for someone more specific. Wait, before you, before you mention someone else, can I just say, yeah. you said hypothetical top 100. There is a top 100 and we run it. Don't, don't talk about hypothetical ones, man. Yeah, I think I just said, if for some reason, hypothetical top 100 <laughs> came into my, my head. Like if I had to do it right say now. Say the words but... SSBM, right? Yeah. I, I, we I need it. So. No, yeah. uh, sorry. Go go on. Yes. Uh, who, who else do you have in mind as someone who might be able to kind of uh, outperform? What yeah, so, so one person are. who I think is, is really interesting to watch out for this tournament is Stiv. And I know many of you listening to this are thinking, Stiv? Who's Stiv? Let me tell you about Stiv. Stiv ha is one of the few people in Oregon that does not auto-lose when, uh, when they run into Fat Goku or Aura. Stiv is, has been on the come-up for quite some time. I think, I think he's like number three in Oregon. He's, he's kind of mm. at that level right beneath top 100. But he's never, uh, he's never had that breakout major, and he's never had that really big out-of-region victory. And I think uh, Stiv is a pretty well-rounded player, too, so I, I could... You know, if, if you see Stiv versus S-Fat early or in loser's bracket or something, I, I'm i not saying he's favored to win, but I just think he's in a really interesting position. Kind of like the like the same one that Daki was in right before the pandemic. Sure. Speak, speaking of another player that was not top 100, but certainly seemed one big win away. Now, unfortunately for Daki, that came during the pandemic online, but mm. but I think I think Stiv is kind of like the 2023, like similar case that so those two would be my players kind of as, as dark horses for this tournament stiv is yeah stiv is an interesting uh player because as he was progressing on game control and getting really good you know very very young guy mm -hmm. still in his teen I, I think he's still a teenager um you know not able to attend a ton of tournaments um as he was getting good with game controller then uh pandemic hit and he switched to box or, or rectangle or, or digital controller or whatever uh, is the correct term for that, whatever we've decided to use as a community. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, it's, it's that thing where, like, obviously um, we've seen a lot of players succeed on, on Rectangle, uh, but they've taken some dip in terms of performance. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that this is possibly him coming, coming back up to speed. He's, he's getting to where he used to be before, and uh, it's about to see whether or not he's able to exceed what he did on GameCube controller. That being said... He's got HBox, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how we feel about that. Unlucky. <laughs> I mean, well, depends, <laughs> I guess. Well, I wanna, I wanna talk about uh, HBox because we we talk about players who can outperform, uh, and I, I think well, Wad might be a fun pick, but I'm actually gonna pick someone who goes up against him. Um, I mean, I could say 
you know, there's there's a ton of players who, here who I think are lower level who could, um, or like perceived lower level who could get pretty good runs. I think Snap's been doing great in NorCal recently compared to kind of how people, uh, well, I was going to say how people think. People probably might not know the name Snap. Uh, former Game of Watch man who, who now I think is almost exclusively Fox has been very good in NorCal. Jello player, if you want to talk Pacific Northwest people, he's been great. But the person whose bracket I look at and say they have the ability to really outperform what their expectations are it is someone who uh has a puff into a puff <laughs> into a yoshi now that might not be the preferred bracket for a lot of people but this is polish i'm talking about polish uh and their new fox bluey has uh been a little bit untested it's it's this you know this thing that if you uh if you've watched like Coinbox, if you watched I don't know Waddle Wednesday, I don't really know what Polish has been entering, um, but the Fox is this very you know it's this labor of love that Polish has been putting a lot and a lot of time into, and the uh, specific matchup that's for is for Puff. I think this probably came about from that uh, Genesis set that genesis 8 set that was not extremely fun to watch <laughs> and probably less fun to play in where uh polish i think lost to hbox 3-1 and kind of a looked like a really hard matchup obviously and uh yeah they've been preparing their fox specifically for hbox specifically for puff uh and we've not really seen it in in bracket uh so it's gonna be interesting to see whether or not this manicured fox is is you know able to start out the gate and, and do really well but uh we've seen that right we've seen <laughs> oh my god i was gonna say we've seen a peach player switch to fox for puff and it worked out well uh so all polish has just be as good as armada and i think it might work magi what what do you think because i i know that polish has been playing fox against a lot of top players i'm not sure if they have ventured into playing fox versus you <laughs> probably would not be the smartest idea but just like i don't know if you've played their fox or if you have any opinions on it but uh i, w- I want to hear your thoughts um yeah i i honestly have have not uh see their fox i seem to talk about their fox a lot um <laughs> and I, I mean i don't know i um if i were to just like super duper guesstimate i do think that like uh polish has like a good understanding of how puff works like i mean they they are good enough to at least have been hungry box one time um and i think as long as like uh I, I kind of agree that like this is a good opportunity for the fox to randomly just pop off and i just yeah. it's just kind of like a matter of like has is their execution really good right now if it is like i think they certainly have the understanding for that matchup to you know be able to translate like it was interesting. I had like a lesson with with uh, Drug Fox, um, and uh, he just like very plainly explained to me how Puff works. And like he had told like a story about how like with Shep, like he like he, he was talking to Shep whenever like they, Shep took Sammy as like his coach for Summit or whatever. Um, and he did like a similar thing. We kind of just explained like you know, uh, just for example, like Puff like kind of has to drift in like a in any given position like in the air. She has like an X like. She could either go, or a cone rather, like the, where she could go down right or down left or anything in between. Um, and just like having that visual of like what to expect, like helps a lot with just like being able mm-hmm. to fight the fucking character. Um, and like me and Shep both had the experience of, like, oh wow, I actually didn't really like understand like that's how that worked. Um, and I feel like obviously you would, that's a pretty fucking critical thing to be able to beat the character. Uh, 
And it was funny because Sammy also talked about how he explained that to Plup, and Plup was like, "What? Yeah, like no shit. Like that's how like the character works." And that, that you're like, "Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense that you'd be understanding that if you're good against the fucking character already." Um, but yeah, so I, I think Polish almost certainly has like a very similar understanding, and um, assuming that their fox is like in good enough shape, you know, hell yeah, like I think it's a, mm-hmm. it, it'd be sick. I, I really don't know personally though, uh, and it's just like I know as a spacey that like it's basically just gonna be RNG of the execution on that day, <laughs> so we'll we'll see. <laughs> well, one thing that must go in their favor is that it's not straight into HBox. It's going. To, uh, uh, you know, presumably, if everything goes to seed, it's playing mm-hmm. Khalid beforehand, mm-hmm. um, which I, like I said, I think this really would be their first, like, top 100 player, top 100 puff player they've mm-hmm. played with Fox in bracket. So I imagine that there's probably um, some level of nerves that it's just, like, trying to break, uh, you know, through. You know, mm-hmm. friendlies is obviously different than tournament, and it's not necessarily doesn't have to be that different for everybody but you know getting to the point where where it feels like um like it's just an extension of your play that you play otherwise mm-hmm. i think is probably something that uh that could work out for polish right it's not like okay here's the first puff you have to play in bracket it's hbox go do it right right uh, right it's like you get like a little warm-up yeah, you get war as the character you get like that little like mental break in terms of like I, I like I've already done this right. If they make it to right. Xbox, they've already beaten a puff in bracket. There, there's a little bit of a ramp up uh, until you get to to big wad. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, I'm not sure if you got a chance to look at the bracket or if you got to look at any of the players who are going. But are there any players who you think might kind of uh, exceed expectations in terms of um, results here? Yeah, I, I have it open right now. Um, I think two is me. Uh, the other one uh, <laughs> is. Um, I actually kind of like Sparks Bracket. Uh, Noel into Plup into Kadoran, like, or assuming you beat Plup. Um, and I think Spark just like, like, you know, Spark's good at the chain grab. And then, like, I honestly have been, like, it's funny, I just made the tweet about Sheik Fox, but I've been, Spark's been having some pretty decent results against Fox recently. Um, so I actually like his path, like, the most out of just, like, eyeballing it. I like Salt's path too, you know, Umarth into Kadoran. Um, uh, again like kind of just like the eyeball test like that that just looks yeah. kind of good um it's funny that I, I just said like i i like my path because i do like my path uh but like yeah uh, yeah I, I have nick and win to lot into cody um i've it's i have finally broken my personal like i i am a believer in magi versus floaties <laughs> which i think is the most important person to believe in and and i've recently I've, I've been feeling really good against uh peach so uh i i like my bracket for for that sense like falcon into peach into into fox it'd be it'd be cool if i could play cody for the first time like in person uh on the double clg in person uh i've played him only in friendlies but never in tournament okay. oh, um, so yeah yeah but uh and but that being said, I also like Law's path too. Typhoon into me into Cody. Like ah, you know that seems pretty good for him too. So I don't know. I I could see like that part of bracket sounds like pretty interesting. And of course, like Cody, I mean he's like the higher higher seed. And and but you know his path is also like I like all three players and their chances of making it to top eight is uh is my conclusion to it. Yeah, I gotta say that uh, I mean for Cody Cody to get to you or Lod. I think uh, it's a pretty tough draw, Sunsei. And for mm-hmm. Sunsei yeah. to get to Cody, is gonna Sunsei will have to beat Aura on the rematch because mm-hmm. uh, I, I believe the last time those two played, Aura kind of uh, dumpstered him at Emerald City. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, a, a year ago, this, this is a long time. Sensei obviously has mm-hmm. broken out since then. But yeah, that's that's a tough one. Ara is always the sleeper pick. Uh, someone who, like, if you're a fox, probably not the person you necessarily want to see in your bracket. Right, right. Um, oh, like even... Been, oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I no, interrupted. I was just going to say that R has been... You know, the results have been a little um, all over the place just because, you know, he's recently picking up Sheik for other matchups. Right. But still, if you're a fox player... And you see Aura, yeah, I think not the matchup that you might want. But what were you, what were you about to say, Magi? Oh, um, I was saying, actually, on one the last, like, viewing of the bracket, like, on the top half, I like Axe's path, honestly. Not into Fiction, into Zane. The run back from Scuffed World Tour. Mm-hmm. And, of course, like, it was, like, you could definitely easily debate that, like, Shep, quote-unquote, <laughs> was in a much better position to win that set. But even just the fact that it is, like, you know, Falco Pikachu... Um, and I, I don't know. That, that's like a pretty reasonable draw. Like out of a lot of the people that he could have drawn, like I think Shep was like a pretty reasonable choice. Um, but I also do kind of like Shep's bracket as well. Like Fizzwiggle into Axe. Like he uh, easily. It, that's just like a flip, I guess. And and so I think that's why I kind of like it for either player. Um, and you know, uh, the start of the year, of course, we saw Fiction go up to O against like you know Zayn at Redemption Rumble. I think it would have been intoxicated, but, you know, uh, his sheet did seem like it was pretty up to par. Uh, and, of course, Axe versus Zayn is a historical fucking, like, wonder. Uh, so, I don't know. That that part of record I actually think is super-duper extra interesting, too. Well, how about this? Because it seems like we're, I mean, the, the bracket paths for a lot of these top players is really good. What if we shift it to, instead of who's going to outperform, who's going to win the damn thing? Um, now, I know you're in it, and you have to say <laughs> yourself. So we'll, I guess we'll pick uh, who's going to play second to you. How about that? Is that? A good <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we'll do it. Um, uh, yeah. Who Who are you liking here? Because we've got you know Zane's obviously signed up. Cody is uh, Cody's here. We've got Plop who mm-hmm. uh, haven't seen a collision, haven't seen him since Genesis. Yeah. What do you, What are you thinking? Uh for of course who would get second place to me? Um, <laughs> I think um, God, it's it's a hard fucking. Uh, I will say, uh, uh, eyeball test for me, it's Zane. You know, Zane's like mm. biggest opposition recently has been J Mook. Uh, and there is no J Mook. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I, I really like him versus Hungry Box. I like him versus, uh, I, I don't even actually remember the last time he played Amza. I guess that one's kind of sketchy. And, you know, Amza is mm-hmm. definitely like pretty reasonable against Hungry Box. So that, that would be like a pretty challenging thing. And I guess now that I like start to articulate that whole bracket path i actually could totally see an amza win too you know moth into johnny into amza into presumably zane or fiction or axe like i kind of like him in any of those matches uh despite i actually think chef is pretty good against yoshi or like he was starting to figure some things out about that um and then amza versus like cody oh actually that's i, I yeah. forgot about the plum versus amza shit that was tough um <laughs> uh but it, it, it is it, it, I think Amza versus Cody is more of a flip than Amza versus Plup, but I do think Cody is really solid. Man, okay, yeah, actually, it's so funny that you mentioned that because the Amza versus Plup thing, like intuitively, I agree that looks so awful, yeah, right? right. The, after the whole twenty-five to two thing, but you know, part of me, it, it's almost so unbelievable that 
I almost want to refuse that that's the median for how an, right. like a serious offline set would go. But at the same time, that well, one... Well, make it to 27? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That one exhibition was so mind-boggling that I almost feel like... Because uh, you have to weigh it in context, right? Like, uh, Amsa and Cody have played quite a bit, and Cody's mm-hmm. usually had his number. Right. And yet, after one exhibition... And like maybe a couple streamed friendlies between Plup and Amsa. For whatever reason, we're just all like, "Yeah, uh, he will never beat Plup again." Right, right, like, right. Like when, when in reality, that you know, hey, the, it's attorney setting is a little different. Right, but... it's like a attorney setting, and it's also like at the end of the day, it is just like it was like one session. Like who fucking knows? Like Amsa could have been fucking drunk the night before, and like yeah, there's I, like I there's so say, much that goes into it. Sessions right? where, where Plup's characters were giving Amsa the hand right so right it, it would be very funny if Amsa just randomly beat uh, but that being said if I were to give a final final answer upon like now that I've like really sat with the bracket I I, I like Cody's chances of winning this turn of it mm. like his, his path like to get there is like pretty reasonable like he is like certainly favored against everyone he has to play plup it'll probably be like Sheik or Fox Ditto I think those are Cody's like really strong matchups um and he's been really fucking shitting on Zayn recently um and he's really confident against harmony box he fucking beat him with falco and he has been up on against almsa too so like actually the more i think about it actually it's funny i so wishy-washy across the whole bracket but i actually do think cody has the highest chance of winning now i think about it cody's always a great pick for these types of things yeah he's he's just fucking consistent he hasn't even won (laughs) a tournament really recently and yet it's just like so easy to 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 visualize it's Mm. like yeah, you know, he's done really well against Zane, and even if he lost the last one, it's like, I still think he could win the next one, and right. he's really good against Plup. Um, it's, he's really good against H-Puck. Yeah, it's like it's hard to come up with a reason why Cody would not be the favorite to yeah. win anything like this. <laughs> it's um, funny, he's like kind of like Zane, where like the J-Mook is kind of like the random thing that's been yeah, like kind of hard. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, um, anyway, I actually do need to go uh, now. Um, of course. Well, thank you for, for coming on to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we're going to stick around a little bit just to end it But for, for any of the listeners who want to stick around with us. But Magi, you were a very good guest, very fun to have you on again. Uh, yeah. I guess next time we won't wait another four years or whatever. Yeah, hey, yeah, please. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it was really fun. Be- Oh. Yeah, of course. Before you go, uh, where can people follow you on, on Twitch or Twitter or anything like that? SSB Magi across almost every single social media platform, I think. I'm pretty sure I can't think of any other. Yeah, like Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitch, all that shit. It's all SSB Magi. Uh, so follow me. Also follow CLG Cody and CLG FGC and CLG. Woo! <laughs> CLG. Nice. Well, thank you for coming on, and uh, yeah. yeah, we will we will catch you around, and good luck this weekend at Major Upset. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Have a good one. Take care, and Edwin, bye-bye. All right, Edwin. <laughs> Just the two of us. Comes down to this yet again. Um, we've got a... Uh, <laughs> We, we are going to talk about uh, who we think is going to win Major Upset. We're going to ask some patron questions uh, that are supposed to be two Magi, and we'll, I guess we'll ask them to each other. Um, and... Uh, 
and then we'll uh talk you know do do the of course unnamed segment at the end but uh before we get to any of that let's let's get back to major upset so cody uh i agree is, is a wonderful wonderful pick he really what is for think? every tournament isn't it really he? but but why <laughs> but like tell me a reason tell me a tournament he won recently he's become he's become the new lethen this is my theory oh I, maybe even that lesson i think was like it took a little more buying in than what cody takes yeah right well now. his matchups at the top are just all so unambiguously good and then something like he loses a fox ditto to like a top 25 fox then suddenly he's in losers and it looks bad or he's got an amazing bracket path and then one out of seven sets he drops the h box or something and then he loses his next set after that it's so because he didn't win collision he did not win genesis he uh he didn't win Scuffed World Tour. He didn't win Main Stage. He didn't win he Apex. He didn't win Fandom. Summit 14. He didn't win Ludwig, Smash Invitational. He didn't win Big House 10. You're right. He has not won anything since Phantom. And and I know that there was some life stuff, obviously, that kept him away from the game for a while. And, and even, you know, probably one could assume that when he was playing the game, he was not really um, at his full level back. And, you know, maybe he's not even there yet. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's when you think about Cody, it, it's this thing where... I keep expecting it to happen. I would never count him out for any tournament. And if we're talking about who we expect to be number one at the end of the year, you know, obviously with the results, J-Mook seems like the easy pick. Um, but Cody would make sense, right? If that happened, I, I, I think that, like, he's got incredible chances at every single event. And that type of stuff, uh, you know, if you've got a good, good matchup against almost everyone at the top, that stuff will usually help you out. So, yeah, I think he's a great pick. But do you pick him? No, I I'm not gonna Whoa. go with Cody, even though I wrote even though I wrote in my column that Cody was my prediction to win the event for the show pick. I'm not gonna go with Cody. The show pick where we yeah we play it up and we act like we we don't. <laughs> yeah, like we're, we're <laughs> does not that gonna... work out for us? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I, just looking at the bracket and seeing how everything turns out, this is just a sneaking suspicion I have. Okay, this is like this has no actual logic behind it. It's just a gut feeling I have. I, my heart is just telling me that none of the top four seeds are gonna make it to winners. No, winner you're insane. Eight. Yeah, and my my gut. I, I know, dude. It's it's so crazy. He's gonna win lot. I feel like one side of winner semis is gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be fiction versus Polish, and then the other side. Okay, of well, that's that one I'm predicting. <laughs> yeah, and then the other side of bracket is gonna be. It's going to be like Sunsei versus Kadoran or something. No, that I one's legitimately going to be Plup versus Cody. <laughs> yeah, I I have a, a really, really strange sneaking suspicion that that's what's going to happen. I think, uh, I think I'm probably just smoking weed on that one. Uh, God, it, do I want to go Zane? Is Zane going? I know he said that he has some blisters on his thumb. I don't know if that's... All right. Who knows? Yeah, who knows what that means? I'm going to take it to be a sign that he doesn't win the event. Um, because I, I guess, you know, it, even in the situation where he does go, maybe that that's still a knock against him. And, and when you have, like, this stacked of a uh, playing field, even though Jemuk's not here and, and, you know, Mango's obviously not around. Uh, yeah, having one little thing against you, like, even if he does play, I, I see that, like, that could be a little bit of a knock. Also, I think that was the most Philly accent I've ever put on Jemuk. I said Jemuk jmook yeah dude, yeah, dude you asked J-Mook. me for a prediction and you know what i'm doing i'm going through each of the top seeds thinking hmm is this a more convincing pick than cody zane well, here, let me let me tell you a story 
It was a story about a young man who traveled to America to play this game, and everyone laughed at him. And they said, why are you going this low-tier character? Why are you going this character? This character's never going to win. You're never going to beat Mewtwo King with this character. And that young man, Messiah Chikamoto, better known as Amsa. VGBC Red Bull Amsa has uh, been someone who we've seen struggle as of late, but the story of Amsa's career time and time again has been basically getting doubted, you know, seeing the, you know, the results and everyone kind of expects there to be some sort of plateau and uh, coming back to America and destroying everyone <laughs> time and time and time again. You know, we, we had the time where um, if you look back at the ranks, he kind of falls off in the top 25 at a certain point. I remember kind of wondering if that was maybe going to be it. I thought he was still a top 25 player, but seeing that made me think, well, you know, maybe this is going to be it. Maybe we're going to see him at two tournaments a year and uh, he's going to kind of be like pretty good. Take some sets off people. Uh, and what we've seen since then was him catapult into a top 10 player. And then we saw him catapult to a super major winner. And uh, even though we've seen him have some of the worst results of his career in recent memory, I have a hard time saying that the guy who we count out for years only to get proven wrong will not prove us wrong again right yeah um, I, and i and i it's, and it's I definitely say, not an easy bracket yeah i think but, johnny's a little tough but i i gotta say like I'm i think kinda, it's i think it's tough yeah johnny into you know i think hbox honestly in a, in a weird way hbox kind of feels more safe for amsa than polish <laughs> am i crazy for thinking that <laughs> uh i think both of those can be pretty hit or miss right you know hbox mm -hmm. has those days where he decides he's just gonna win everything which could be this weekend um and polish uh has also kind of those days where like they decide to be their top 10 self again um so it's hard to really say but yeah i mean honestly the when we've seen us succeed have has like bad matchups gotten in the way <laughs> not really yeah it, it's more like someone like the collision was kind of tough was kind of tough for him but it wasn't but i didn't leave thinking ops has got a fox problem or ops has got a peach problem it just felt like sometimes that, sometimes that happens sometimes you get yeah. you have a bad weekend and i i so, honestly yeah. I, I didn't leave genesis thinking oh my god i don't know if amsa can ever defeat jigglypuff again <laughs> i thought i thought okay i, I guess i guess two saints pretty good <laughs> two saints pretty good wow zuppy oh zuppy's pretty good i guess you know it, it it definitely is not the time to be imbued with confidence when it comes to amsa but I don't know. I feel like those times uh, he thrives. Um, I, w I would like to see him, you know, continue his success because the, the story of last year was a lot of things, but I think Amso was one of the bigger ones because it was the idea of potential being realized to the fullest extent. You know, this player who we knew was good, um, actually living up to all of the hype and, and going far further beyond than we could ever think of. Um, and I, I don't want to count him out. I don't know if, if I think that he is favored against Cody. I don't think he's favored against Plup. And, uh, you know, on a, on a good Wan day, he might not even be favored against H-Box. And, and yet, I don't know. Maybe the magic of a hour-long flight <laughs> might, might, uh, might be the key difference here. So yeah, you know, I, I think it's doable. Uh, I, I'll probably, I'm going to stick with Cody. It's a safe choice, man. Don't join me in the Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I'm it's funny. Crazy. We're not even considering any chance of Plup winning his first tournament in Oregon. 
Uh, well, Bluff already went to a tournament in Oregon. He DQ'd and left. Oh, yeah, I guess he went. <laughs> he he played then... one round and then <laughs> yeah, said, he... I'm not having fun, and then left. Uh, no, well, Plop is, it's a similar thing, you know, to, to someone like Amsa, who I don't, you know, they're, neither of them are the runaway favorite, neither of them, like, make the most sense, but honestly, yeah, what we've seen of Plop recently has been good. I, I think, you know, it, it's one of those things where he has not gone to a ton and he has done, uh, like, you know, fine. He, he's done to the level where, uh, it's not changed people's opinion on him. But fourth at Genesis, I, I think is really good, and and you know, seeing him perform there, um, was something that uh, I feel like is pretty doable. He's a player who we've seen do extremely well, and we've seen do extremely, <laughs> you know, maybe poorly, maybe maybe a harsh word, but we've seen the ups and downs of Plup's career. Um, so I want to say it's possible. It's just it's tough with, just, you know, juggling everything, right? Um. We've seen the Fox do great. We've seen the Sheik do great. And obviously feels like the tournaments that we've seen him do best is the tournaments where he's able to kind of stick with one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that Plup could do really well here. I think Plup's a great grand finals pick. Uh, and if he's in grand finals versus Amsa or HBox, you know, maybe. But the fact of the matter is that he's probably in grand finals versus like Zayn or Cody, who seem a lot harder. <laughs> Uh, but I, I want to see where he can take this. What do you, what are you thinking? I have one last thing I want to ask you, Leek. You, you're the man who called when Axe would win Summit. Sure. I want you to tell me what do, uh, what do Kadorn or Lod have to do for you to consider their chances of winning an event like this? What? It's, it's, what Lod already, I already considered Lod. River Lod almost won an event. I, I, like SmashCon was almost a lot of that. He uh, he was what he was he was in winners finals playing Mango. Was he up two one or am I making that up? He was up four two and then lost the next four stocks. Four two, okay, in stocks. Yeah, in stocks. <laughs> we're yeah, not playing. Player, right? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I said on the show after LSI that uh, I don't think there's any reason why we should count out Slug. I don't think there's any reason why we could count out Moki. And when I talk about those two players, I think you add in a ton of players, right? I think Lot is a great person to add in there. Someone who just beat Amsa <laughs> at the last major. That helps. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, right? Someone who's beaten Zane uh, in the past calendar, or the past, like, 365 days. Um, that's good. That'll help. Um, <laughs> you know, Agebox is tough, and, and it's... Cody can sometimes be tough. They have not played on land since 2017, so who knows what it'll look like. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I think Lod's a great pick here. Kadoran is, is kind of a harder pick, someone who has punched up against, uh, you know, the Mangos and the Cody's and players like that. Um, but it's just hard to see it on a consistent basis. And uh, having Plup in his path or Spark in his path after having salt in his path is just a little tough. It's it's asking a lot, right? I would need to see a tiny jump from Kudorin f- for me to say that he has a path. And it's not even to say that he is necessarily a worse player than the players I mentioned. It's just when you get to this level, um, matchups he is matter. A- he's able to beat a ton of people. Uh, I just worry about what matchups he would need to beat in grand finals, in winners finals, in you know the the, the places that get you to a gold medal. Um, so I'd love to see it. I think that anything could happen here, but yeah, I mean, 
I'm picking Amsa. Both you and Madra are picking Cody. So we will see what is happening this weekend. And uh, Edwin, we've got some questions for Magi. Shall just, we... I don't have a Magi impersonation set up. I, I'd love it if you did not do one. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hard. It'd actually on be great one. if you didn't even consider doing an impression. Yeah, I, I yeah I, I shouldn't even have brought it up honestly. <laughs> okay, well let's uh let's kind of get in the mindset of of what you know. What we would answer, what Magi might answer, what we would answer for Magi, like let's pretend like we're maybe her representatives, right, or her talent agency. Um, so Poison, Poison asks, uh, do you have any tips on how to start learning how to do makeup? Now, what would you think? I'm out of my element here, but I'm hoping that maybe you you give off some kind of theater kid energy. Maybe you were at a in a high school performance of something. I actually think there's photographic evidence of you in a high school performance of something. Oh, for sure. Uh, theater kids wear makeup. What 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 are your thoughts on this? Um, I think that one thing that she would mention is foundation. I think that is something that Magi would bring up. Do you know what foundation is? Um, I. I know it when I see it. Okay. <laughs> I uh, am not able to describe it, but I understand the vibe of foundation for makeup. Okay. Where would you... Uh, is foundation uh, first, middle, or last? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that it goes first. Okay. Why, why are you saying that? Walk me through your... Pretend like it's Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I'm just looking back. Uh, well, now we're going to go into the Slumdog Millionaire mode. But, uh, <laughs> hey, 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 man. Yeah, no, no, no. no I, it, it, has nothing, it has nothing to do... It just happened to be a cultural reference. Okay. Uh, I'm just, like, looking back in the process of all the times I did, you know, the, my high school musical or high school play and what I remember. I actually... You, you know, it's funny because... I didn't mind applying foundation because we were on stage and everything, but I, but because I had have pretty like noticeable like dark big features on stage, I always got away with never having to do like, I I never had to put like, uh, anything on my lips for instance. I never uh, I never got had to do anything like like as much as some of the other kids. Like I didn't. What like, would you put kids... on your lips? What? Give me an example of a makeup that you would put on your lips. Uh. I don't know. That just came to mind. Like some people put on like lipstick or whatever, okay, or, or like lip gloss or something. But I, I, never I just did thought that. it was very funny that you said something. It's like, well, I think there's only one thing, right? It's yeah, lip gloss or lipstick. Got... I, I don't know. Oh, that's like... right. You know, there's there's the gloss. And then uh, yeah, so I, I I always managed to get away like for because I, I already stood out on stage and everything, right? So but I, well, I did yeah, have foundation. I mean, your performance would make you stand out as well. Well, okay, how about this? You. Where does what a, a house? What is the foundation of a house? What do you mean a foundation of a house? That's a thing. Houses have foundations. You own a no, house. No, 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 no. I, I, I know, but what does that have to do with makeup? It's the same word, right? Foundation? Yeah. What's the purpose of a foundation of a house? Well, it's like to provide like a like a build, building block for that so? else on the house uh, rests so on. So the foundation for makeup? Yeah, I guess maybe. Which is very same. Or... Yes, it's. Yeah, but that you... wasn't my that wasn't my reasoning. I was just trying to. I, was I just know. Trying to I remember off pure vibes. I I'm giving you yes. I'm... From my experience. Okay, so there's foundation. What else? What else do you know? I think there's. I, I what think about what about eyeliner. eyes? Yeah, eyeliner. there's a lot of eyes. Eyeliner. I remember that. 
Eyeliner? Another? What about, like, the outside of the eyes? Um, I don't know. There was this, like... <laughs> I sound like such an idiot. There's <laughs> there's a pencil thing. <laughs> I think that might be eyeliner. Yeah, maybe, maybe that was eyeliner. <laughs> I'm looking for mascara. That's the uh, thing I'm looking for. I don't think I ever Do you remember guyliner? Yeah, I, I, I vaguely remember. Um, those are the days. Yeah, I, I wish Magi was here. I think she would have a blast hearing me describe I think, well, <laughs> the great thing is, this is recorded. Yeah, maybe, I'll have to send it to her. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll get her to react to it on stream. Magi, uh, how did I do? <laughs> <laughs> I think you got a 6.7 out of 10. <laughs> I thought you were going to say out of 100. <laughs> no, you answered the questions with aplomb. It was, you, you, you were, you were trying and, and we appreciate that. Um, now I don't know. I'm no expert. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Let me, uh, let's look up the other, other questions for Magi. So, so we got one from YCZ and it's going to be a bit of a difference in pace, but at what player slash players from before your time, do you wish you had gotten to play in their prime? So we're thinking Magi. I think that Magi would want to play Silo Wolf. Oh, that's a, that's I a think that answer. Prime, Silent Wolf versus Magi would be very, very fun. They're both fast. They're both technical. You know, um, Fox obviously is a matchup that Magi is very good in. So getting to play against the other Foxes, I think, would be good. Um, but I, I feel like if you ask any player this, they would just answer Hermada, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like if you ask Jmook, I think you would just go, else would, what, who else would play <laughs> Uh, the literal most dominant player like of the modern like for for his whole career what about <laughs> prime reciferous versus magi yeah maybe yeah i'll have to think about that i also thought of i also thought of crushing pp but yeah armada is the <laughs> armada is the like like how would anyone coming up today like being the be better than yes. they've ever been <laughs> not wonder how do i compare to the person who was most above the field when he was around I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it's that's one of those questions that's very answer. fun until you realize there's like a real, like a, a number one answer. And if you don't say it, then it's like you're purposely not saying the correct answer. Kind of like how I answered Omsa. Um, okay, well, well, we got one from Jade. Uh, and this is to Magi, of course. And uh, it's what is your ideal breakfast composed of? So, Magi, and this is not, um, I'm not dismissive when I say this. Magi, we know, wakes up late. Yeah, I was, so was going to mention breakfast. Like I don't think she's a. I don't think she's like a big uh, eggs and toast person. I, I big think plate uh, of pancakes, sausage. Yeah, I don't know if if it, I don't know if she's a grand slam girl. No, she doesn't seem like that. Um, what about? For some reason, I feel like she's really big into mac and cheese. Mac and cheese as breakfast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Is it like cut up hot dogs in it? Is that type of mac and cheese or just? No, just like craft, just craft. Yeah, I went uh, when I, I I used to work at a place that sold food, kind of a grocery store type thing, and they uh, and one of my coworkers had never had craft mac and cheese, and I was like, "You've never had it," and I like he like I apparently convinced him, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll buy it." He told me he's like, "I bought it. I'll tell you how it is," uh, and I actually I didn't get to hear back on that one. I think we just forgot. Uh, funny, I wasn't like telling him to get it. I was just like, "This is crazy." I told another coworker that story. I was like, "Yeah, he's never had it," 
And the guy went, yeah, it's because he's Muslim. I was like, no, I don't think that's why. <laughs> I think that's wow. actually not related. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's totally irrelevant. <laughs> uh, I think she would have, if not mac and cheese, this is just a, uh, just a shot in the dark. I feel like Magi loves ketchup. Not on its own, just as in in addition to whatever else she has. I feel like she's a ketchup girl. You're I could totally be wrong. Of a child. All right, here's what I think she does. I think she gets pho every morning. <laughs> I feel like she's big into ramen noodles, but like a specific like like a cup of them. Okay, you ready? She's got the Maruchan ramen noodles, which someone, oh God, I remember, I forget, I want to remember who it was. Someone in Smash said, uh, like, Maruchan. And I was like, what the fuck? Maruchan? Just said the Maruchan noodles, and I think she cracked an egg into it. <laughs> and she eats it at 2 p.m., and that's what her, what her breakfast is. Um, I don't know if she cracks an egg in it, though. I, I, I'm not sure about that. Classes it up just a little bit. I'm not saying she's cutting up chives or anything or, or scallions or, you know, the like. Uh, I'm not saying there's any parsley or cilantro or oregano or any other herbs. I think it's just you crack an egg. You need, you need an egg. Maybe you think about cracking an egg. I feel like that's egg, a lot of steps. It's, it's not that, it's, <laughs> Wait, that she Come can't on, give it. her some credit, man. She can crack uh, an I egg. <laughs> it's a lot of steps. You crack an egg into it. <laughs> it like, it, you... The, the cracking the egg it's one step opening the egg that's two steps and then you're there some people like keeping that stuff separate though like i don't know if she would want the, maybe maybe when she has eggs she wants eggs to be separate and then then intertwined in noodles hard to say yeah we, we truly we'll, don't we'll never know. really know um he, here's one from seal that I, that i'm curious how magi would answer it uh Question for Magi. The South is one of the less talked about North American re melee regions. What are some things you think stand out about it in comparison to the rest of the world? So, I feel like remember, you this is this what question. Magi thinks. This is, I feel like you asked this question because there's uh, political undertones to it. <laughs> no. Where the, what, what does the South stand out against the rest of the... Like, a lot! <laughs> <laughs> okay, the South, in terms of melee? Or in terms of... Melee, yeah. I think that's okay. what she... I, I, remember this is what her answer is not not I, yours okay i think she would say the south um has a lot of people who play a lot of different characters um there's prof she plays uh rabbit a lot rabbit obviously someone who plays a lot of different characters so i think she might say that that there is a lot of character diversity and there's a lot of people who have feels for the game um you know there's remember forest forest obviously could play multiple characters at a high level um, so I think that's what she would say is that there's, there's a lot of players who've got very like crazy play styles, right? There's Panda. Um, I mean, Hey, Forrest, and, and that's another person who plays pretty crazy. So maybe that's what she'd say. There's, there's a lot of, uh, of like flashy players and they, they have a good time. They have a lot of fun, maybe. Yeah. I think she'd mention. I think that's a pretty good pick. I think she might mention the size of it also, right? Like it's actually a pretty like. Like it encompasses like quite a bit of players. Like you, you got everyone from the Atlantic South, and like the, your Cobalts, your your pandas, obviously your forest people like that. You have everyone in Louisiana that, that you mentioned, but also Texas is a, is a very big part of it. And they're all kind of like really spread apart. 
So like yeah. even within Texas, hey, if you add, damn, that adds to the yeah. to the rush down kind of uh, like crazy playstyle, pedal to the metal playstyle, mm-hmm. right? You've got Espop, you've got Bobby Salt, they all fit into that category. Uh, you know what? I gotta say, I'm liking this topic, and I think maybe we'd make it, we'd take it to the next episode. Is what would Magi say? <laughs> what would Magi say? We make this a recurring segment. Yeah, it's we've got on like uh, fiction or something. Then we go fiction. I'm gonna ask you a question. You have to tell me what you think Magi would say to it. Yeah, I, like I think it. it's got legs. <laughs> here, let's get, let's continue this. I think we might get into murky territory here. Let's continue this. You know, we've got um, touching grass. This is our segment where we talk about stuff that uh, you know we do outside of Smash. We are. Uh, what do I, we are not monoliths. We do not do the same thing all the time, even though all we talk about is Smash. So this is an opportunity to talk about something that's going on in our lives outside of Smash. And as always, I'll go first to give other people time to think, and I guess give us time to think of what Magi might say as well. Um, <laughs> so me, me, Wheat, uh, I, I've been uh, oh, an old man, apparently. I've been listening to Wilco and Bruce Springsteen, and I've been feeling very old about it. Uh, but I think the thing that's been for some reason, most omnipresent of my week in my, in the past two weeks for me has been, uh, a mix of, of, uh, candy made by the Haribo company called star mix. Uh, it is something that I got at collision and I've been <laughs> getting on my wallet run since I don't know why, uh, do I like gummy bears somewhat? Do I like the other offerings of the Haribo company? Honestly, not that well-versed. Uh, and yet, the idea of having a little bit of all of them in one package for two bucks, <laughs> it's very enticing to me. You can eat a gummy bear, then you eat the little, like, cola bottle, and then, like, uh, there's, like, a cherry ring. There's, like, two snakes of different flavors connected. Eh, it's, it's very fun. So I've been eating a lot of those. Uh, more than I would have thought ever in my life. But, hey, here we are. Um, so what do you think, Edwin? What has Edwin Budding been doing this past couple weeks? I've been doing a ton of stuff gaming-related, and not necessarily uh, related to Melee, although I've been playing a lot of Melee, too. I've just been Doesn't gaming. count for this. Yeah, yeah. so I, uh, <laughs> I went to see Final Fantasy Crystalline Concert, which is basically these two pianists just playing tunes from Final Fantasy in Boston. That was pretty fun. I went with my hometown friend and his girlfriend. That was great. I've also... Uh, I also have been revisiting Grand Theft Auto, like the, Which the one? definitive edition. So I've been playing through three, and I think I, I think I'm giving up on three. It's just it's just not fun. I think it's it's one of those things where, like, the presence of an open world game and being able to travel the world, like the world in the game, and see effort thrown into things like the radio stations or posters and stuff. I think there's a lot of novelty that existed for it at the time, and there, there's some silly stuff that happens, like just the way the game works, uh, the spectacle of being in crime and having police chase you and having all these wonky little situations where a car flips over and suddenly it explodes and two cop cars go flying into it and it, they explode also. Yeah, I, I can understand why like people found it fun when they were younger when that kind of stuff was new in gaming. But for GTA 3, at least, I could, I could say it's honestly been really aggressively unfun for the last about few hours of gameplay i put into it so i'm, mm. I'm stopping it uh i don't really know if i want to continue on with vice city and san andreas 
because the thing is like the the core gameplay is just going from point A to point B, uh, and then picking up someone and then going to a different destination. The shooting is not particularly that great. The driving is not amazing. It really feels like the the main appeal of Grand Theft Auto, if, if I had to guess, would be in the story and the power fantasy, I guess, that it offers. But it's not even like the controls are particularly anything to write home about or that the, the level design or game design is particularly brilliant. So, I I don't know. It, it really just feels like a, kind of one of its own uh, like era-type games that everybody played for crazy, like crazy. Maybe I should replay GTA 4 or 5 again. I, I liked those a lot growing up as a kid. But at the same time, I, maybe it's where I'm at also. And just were like, you a kid when GTA Five came out? You were 18, weren't you? Yeah, I was, basically, I was 19, basically a kid. 19, okay. <laughs> uh, you know what? True. When, when you see a 19-year-old at our age, you go, oh, that kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, I've, I've just been gaming a lot, but not necessarily ones that I'm omega crazy about. Has it seriously been almost... Is it coming up on 10 years this year since GTA V came out? Yeah, I, I actually have a very funny story about GTA V that I, okay. I'd like to share with the the audience of this podcast. And it's very funny, it. you can assure us? Uh, it's very... I can assure you it's very telling of the of what I was like in college, okay? okay. So... You're, one, you're way atop at. <laughs> I was in college. <laughs> but yeah, so I... I used to, so one of my gen eds, so basically in college, uh, you have to take these courses that fulfill some kind of requirements or whatever, and there is a course I took called Geol- called Intro to Geology. It was also called Rocks for Jocks, because it was the, it was known as the uh, course that all the student athletes, like the basketball team. Was Kemba take. Walker in your class? Uh, no, but, but we, we had a couple, we had a couple like athletes. Kemba Walker would have been bef- before my time, I think. Yeah, I just couldn't think of anyone. Maybe like Shabazz Napier or something. But I wouldn't wow. know because I never showed up to class. Uh, 2013 and in the first year and a half of college was pretty tough for me. I was uh, not a very good student. And at and this will go back to GTA 5, I promise. So I had already missed two labs of this course. And basically the way the course worked was that if you missed three labs, uh, you automatically failed the course or you had to drop it entirely, right? Now, on the day of the third lab of the entire course, I had already missed the first two, was the day that Grand Theft Auto V came out. And in my infinite wisdom of being a sophomore in college, I decided that it was more worth it to skip the lab that morning so that I could drive to GameStop to pick up Grand Theft Auto V on its launch date and spend the rest of my day just playing Grand Theft Auto V instead of doing anything for my class. So I went and bought the game. I played it for like another month. I ended up dropping that class entirely, so it didn't count against my GPA, but I just dropped a class, so I had to take another one the next semester or whatever. And a month later, uh, I got into playing Melee. So Grand Theft Auto V was a uh, integral part of my uh, of my experience. So I'm trying to figure this out. I'm not very good at this. Um, how do you make a poll? I want to pull the Twitch viewers as to whether or not they think that was very funny. Um, okay, having trouble. Regardless, um, we we will hear about that soon. Uh, one thing I will say, I don't think that that connects to you <laughs> getting into Melee. It was like two separate things. 
the, your end of it yeah, was, I guess and then I got into Melee. <laughs> well, it, it was just at a really weird point, because I was already watching some Melee at the time, but like I started playing a lot uh, after Grand Theft Auto V. That was the game I was playing right before I got into like... Sounds like you were already in to Melee. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, uh, because I can't figure out how to do a poll, we will uh, we will give you the benefit of the doubt and say that that was indeed very funny. Thank you. Now, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what do we think Magi's been up to recently outside of Smash? So, this has changed from what would Magi do to what is Magi doing? What would, well, what would Magi's answer to, for uh, the, the, you know, for, uh, what is this called? Touching grass. What would Magi's answer for touching grass be? I assume that she's been streaming a lot, doing a uh, drinking game with Zane and Cody, or preparing for the drinking game that's coming up. Yeah, I don't think she drinks. Um, I'm really just going through her Twitter right now, and that's what she's doing now. I think I think she couldn't be on the show because she wanted to go drink with Cody and Zane. Yeah. Which you know I can't can't blame her too much. That sounds like a fun time. I think that we're more fun, but alas, you know we we had to prove it, and uh, I guess it didn't work out. Um, well, how about this? I think that she's been watching a lot of uh, game shows recently. <laughs> I'm gonna say that she's been watching a lot of either Bluey or uh, another animated series that's on one of the streaming platforms steven universe not a bad guess yeah sure we'll, she's we'll been getting that. very into steven universe let's say sure maybe rewatching it <laughs> okay so you're saying that she's that into it that she's already seen okay. yeah i'm calling it she's a mega fan okay let's she's been getting she's been rewatching steven universe while she eats her uh ketchup and and craft mac and cheese <laughs> ketchup and craft mac and cheese uh, and sometimes I, ramen, but no egg. Sometimes ramen, definitely no egg. Uh, it, the entire flavor packet? Sure. And then puts ketchup on top? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's what she's been up to. Uh, man, I, 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 if she ever listens to this back, I would understand if she doesn't want to ever come back on the show. <laughs> I think that'd be a bit of an overreaction. Uh, I, I I'm know. saying that I would not understand. You're talking about her like she's an iPad kid. <laughs> Magi needs her chicken tendies. <laughs> that's, that's what the vibe I'm getting from you. Uh, maybe we'll have her back on. You can learn about makeup. I'll also learn about makeup, but I think yeah. But specifically... let's, be, let's be clear, both both of us. No, but I think it should be specifically framed as her teaching you, and I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> yeah, you're not interested in learning. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you're here for you moral need... support for me. Yeah, I think it's good that you should know. Um, I'll see you at the next major. You'll be all contoured. <laughs> I'll be eyelinered out the gourd. Uh, contour PDX, kind of like Contra PDX. Major upset this weekend. And uh, I guess we brought a full circle, Edwin. It's been a wonderful show. It's been an uh, interesting show. Magi was great. The two of us on our own. Significantly worse, but uh, still a fun time. Thank you for being on. Uh, hey, how about this? We already had her plug. Do you want to do the plugs for Melee Stats? Oh, God. It's been so long since I've done it. I can try. It's kind of fun. It's like, you know, 
it's like I'm the, it's like you're the guest, and there's no host. So, Edwin, if people want to follow Melee Stats, where can they do so? Yeah, so you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Pod, where we promote all our content for all our platforms. But usually what you'll find is Last Night in Melee, so you can catch up with whatever happened in Melee Locals the night before. Um, you can also go to our website, MeleeStats.co, where you can read articles like Monday Morning Marth, written by yours truly, or When's Melee, where you can basically learn about all the Melee tournaments that are happening in a given weekend and just check out stream info, who's going, and whatnot from there. You can go to our YouTube channel, Melee Stats, to watch any of our main uh, video essays over the last few years or so. You can also go to Melee Stats Archive, our secondary YouTube channel, where you can watch VODs of episodes of Waiting for Game like this one. And if you love everything Melee Stats does and you just want to throw a few bucks our way or so, you can go to patreon.com slash MeleeStats, where your support mm-hmm. is super appreciated and helps us do a lot of really cool things for the scene. Perfect. There you go. Well, Edwin, Magi has been a great guest. <laughs> and uh, how do you think she would say goodbye? Bye, everyone. <laughs> okay, I don't know about that one. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. We will catch you uh, again as we... Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a post-major upset episode because I think I will be sleeping on Ambie's floor. <laughs> so that's fun. But uh, we will catch you in the near future to talk about everything that happened in major upset and everything that's going to happen in the near future of Melee. All right, everyone. Everyone. <laughs> All right, everyone here. Thank you for being on. Thank you for watching, and we will catch you. Peace. See you.